Welcome to the Regional Update with me, Jessica Strauss, the Weed Smart Communications Lead. Each fortnight on Mondays, we interview a local expert from a different cropping region to provide you with a regional weeds-focused update. Let's get into it. In this edition of the Regional Update, we're heading to the southern region and catching up with independent agronomist Craig Davis. Craig is based in the mid-north of South Australia and will give a weed-focused update for this region. And so Craig does join us. How are you going, Craig? Well, Jess, I'm going well this morning. Thank you. And yourself? I'm good and really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, I just would like to kick off, firstly, for those people who might not be familiar with the mid-north of South Australia, can you just give us a bit of an overview of typical farming systems in your region and conditions you kind of get in your region? Certainly, yes. So north of Adelaide, uh, starting on the Adelaide Plains, uh, in uh, and around sort of 14 inch rainfall, um, working our way up into the hills. Um, the plains are predominantly um, continuous cropping and very minimal livestock. Uh, up in the hills, you've got a bit more mixed operations, uh, getting up to around 600 mils rainfall, a uh, bit more diverse in that uh, region, and, uh, and definitely livestock. And then uh, across to the York Peninsula, which uh, is uh, a little bit higher rainfall, so you've got areas there up around 450 mils of uh, rainfall. And sorry, I'm com- uh, confusing inches and uh, millimetres for the listeners, but I'm sure they'll be able to convert it at home. Nothing like um, good amounts, yeah. And, uh, yeah, York Peninsula, uh, obviously, uh, different diversity of, of crops over in that direction with, uh, with more legume focus. Yeah, great. Okay, well, thank you for that. And so what conditions has your region been experiencing over the last few weeks? Yeah, a little bit patchy, but generally dry. So we've had a, a little bit of uh, rain go through some areas in the last month, but uh, maximum total is around uh, 30 mils. So relatively dry, though. So I've been busy doing uh, deep soil coring for nitrogen, uh, sulphur and, and moisture levels and uh very dry uh, conditions for a lot of areas. So in terms of um, uh, what we're seeing in terms of weeds, very sporadic uh, weeds, uh, low densities of, uh, of summer weeds, you know, heliotropal potato weed, cowtrop, nightshade and melons. And occasionally you come across areas uh, through getting up into the hills mainly in, in the mid-north where uh, we did get a bit more rain. They've got a few more volunteers coming through there. So we're uh, busily trying to uh, get them tidied up uh, before we get too far down the track. Yeah, so what are the strategies with controlling weeds at this time of year with the conditions you've just uh, described, Craig? The summer weed is, uh, situation, Jess, is a, is a little bit challenging. We don't generally have the summer weed issues that maybe northern areas do. So weed at Flush weed seeker, optical spot spraying technology isn't present here. So that can make this decision to spray a little bit more challenging because we're talking very low densities of weeds. Mm. And uh, that often is just patch spraying paddocks. So lighter soils, sandier soils within paddocks will get treatment because uh, you, know, you have a higher prevalence of melons and cowtrop. And in those situations, uh, the, uh, the loamier ground and heavier ground, you probably end up with more uh, heliotropal potato weeds there. And so wheel tracks or bare areas coming up with them a little bit. So that it does make it a little bit difficult. I'd, I'd really love to see a few more weed at, uh, or weed seekers down uh, through this, this area. But this is a 
a rarity. Normally, you get a big summer rainfall event and people will spray blanket spray paddocks because they'll have volunteers and, and that'll be sort of one full spray over the farm and then they might just have to come back and do uh, a few areas here and there. This year, it's been, yeah, almost non-existent and you've got volunteer barley uh, thick on the ground in some areas. Wheat was variable because we did have a fair bit of wheat get blown out with wind through harvest, so areas did get affected there. So there is actually still paddocks with quite a few volunteers left on them. Yeah, it does sound like a tricky situation. So, Craig, what are some of the most problematic weeds that tend to pop up in your region? Could you give us a bit of an overview? Yeah, so for, for summer weeds, uh, milk thistle uh, is a little bit of a, a bit more of a challenge than it used to be, and prickly lettuce as well in that same um, family. Um, we do have still you know, hard-to-kill weeds like uh, uh, what we call uh, dogweed, diplotaxis, cutleaf mignonette, and silverleaf nightshade um, or tomato weed over over summer. So they, they're always problematic. We're seeing some farms eradicate those weeds pretty well and, and others probably not, not working quite as hard to getting their numbers down. In terms of winter cropping weeds, Major focus is still annual ryegrass because it's the most diverse with the highest levels of resistance and the most adaptive to different techniques. So annual ryegrass is always number one. In terms of grass weeds, number two is brome grass. So brome grass is quite problematic in a lot of the uh, sandier country where particularly you've got non-wetting sands and you get staggered germination of crops. That's a particular problem. In terms of broadleaf weeds, Bifora and uh, wild radish would be the, uh, the more difficult ones uh, to control. But we do have Group B resistant weeds, you know, Indian hedge mustard, uh, the thistles that are problematic. And you go to different areas like uh, where they're growing more legumes, and the weeds do change, or the, uh, the the species we target change. So in those environments, it used to be a lot of uh, bifora bed straw, but it's probably now more vetch, tears, and medic causing uh, causing more headaches there. Right. And okay. that's just because of increased prevalence of, of legume crops there. Yeah, interesting. And so in terms of controlling weeds at this time of year, what would be some of the tips you would want to share with growers and other agronomists to get on top of weeds? So hygiene is always important. So anything that's likely to uh, contaminate a crop or to cause uh, maybe an insect issue going forward, so I think would be well served dealing with that. So volunteer canola, volunteer cereals. Uh, we've, we've had some issues with aphids over the years, so they will harbour aphids in this autumn period prior to sowing the crop, and um, they've, they've, we've had some particular problems there with Russian wheat aphid and green peach aphid. Um, in respects to summer weeds, it's uh, always important to think about how is it going to affect the seeding process. We've got the, some of these weeds have vines and uh, Obviously, they cause us some headaches with the seeding equipment and so ensuring that we've got them dealt with in a timely fashion before they become a problem is important. And of course, you're talking about weeds that they don't just use moisture, they're sucking up available nutrients, nitrogen, phosphorus, etc., and they are harbouring root disease. And and our lighter soils, uh, which we benefit uh, a lot from those light rainfall events over summer, we we carry quite good moisture levels through on those sands typically is where you'll also end up with things like rhizoctonia if you carry over um, summer weeds so being really diligent about that 
is important for the longer term condition of the paddock and the performance of your of your crops. So a lot of it is around fallow management and uh, we probably don't do it as well as some of the northern areas, particularly where you've got livestock, you've always got a bit of a, um, a conundrum there about uh, about what you can use effectively with the livestock and what, what is not and should, what should be sprayed out. In respect to, to spraying those weeds, I suppose in recent uh, data, the concerns around compatibility with uh, 2,4-D and uh, a number of the target weeds and the impact on uh, glyphosate performance. So ryegrass, for example, late sea summer spraying with glyphosate and 2,4-D is a concern, um, but also the group Gs. There's a lot of evidence about the impact on uh, on performance of weeds that have got uh, you know developing resistance to glyphosate and how those can affect the performance of, uh, of your mixed partners. Mm, great tips, Craig. And looking forward, what should growers be thinking about going into seeding and and what they should be thinking about in terms of weed control tactics uh, when the crops start to emerge? What would be your advice there, Craig? Yeah, so we're in a little bit of a challenging position at the moment whereby the forecast isn't really strong in respect to receiving a timely autumn break and uh, uh, or an early autumn break and everyone likes to get uh, going late April with the moisture to get a germination and um, and roll on with the seeding process. So that's looking like a little bit of a challenge at the moment. So a lot of people are working a contingency around uh, dry seeding and uh, what paddocks we can go forwards and so on. Obviously, I mentioned before volunteers. We've got a bit of an issue with uh, a reasonable amount of grain still on the ground. That may pose a problem in the following crop. So we've just got to be mindful of that, that you know, weeds obviously are plants in the wrong spot and a, and a previous crop is going to be one such weed. So having a thought process around that, having an understanding of what herbicides are best used dry sowing and what are you know, still going to be effective but relatively safe on the crop. We do have some environments that are a bit fragile in terms of lighter soils and erodibility and the there is a consideration around, you know, should you be spending a lot of money on a pre-emergent herbicide when the paddock could well blow around a little bit, either create a uh, crop safety issue or potentially lose that herbicide effectiveness because you're actually losing some of that topsoil. So there's some, there's some challenges there around that. But the biggest thing is if you're going in um, uh, without an autumn break and you're not going to have an opportunity to get a good knockdown, that you should be using an effective pre-emergent and just making sure you understand how that pre-emerge might perform with a dry start. Yeah, okay, great advice there, Craig. And we've pretty much, we've covered a lot of ground here today, but was there anything else you wanted to uh, mention before we wrap things up? Uh, no, I think, uh, think we've, we've covered it. If you could just uh, develop a bit of a widespread rainfall pattern for a number of the areas. I think WA's obviously been a bit patchy, but South Australia uh, has missed out a lot. Like If we could just develop a good rainfall pattern, that'll make life a lot easier. Yeah, certainly. Fingers crossed that there's some rain on the way. Well, thank you so much, Craig. Really appreciate you taking the time coming on the regional update. Thanks, Jess. Catch you next time.